audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Good morning. In the last few weeks, you've heard about being a self-sufficient church and leaning on God and about how God watches over us. You've also about heard about how God is sovereign. As you'll hear today, nothing's changed. Now, as it's Father's Day today, I'd like to address the issue of father before we dive into the psalm. Some of us have great fathers. Some of us, frankly, have had terrible fathers. Some of us have fathers that are still living. As with Matt and myself, some of us have fathers that are past. I'll be okay today except for this one line. I miss my father. I had a father that was, of course, far from perfect, and yet he was my hero. Many of you have heard that part of my story, so I won't go there again. My kids are here today, or a couple of them are, and they would tell you that I'm a Christian man and that I'm a sinner. As with my kids being here, I would hope they would say, and I think they would say, that Nancy and I have always tried to point them towards their heavenly father, because Lord knows I'm not perfect. Now, I'd like to speak to directly to you that have had a non-existent or a terrible father. First off, that pains me to know this. In getting ready for this sermon, I thought about this a lot. And while I, I couldn't put my father in that category, unfortunately, I could put my mother in that category. I've been blessed with a, a great stepmom. I call her mom, so if you meet her, she's, she's, she's the good one. But some of you have had bad fathers or non-existent fathers. However, I have a challenge for everybody here, for those of you who had good or bad. No matter what our father is or was, we need to keep our eyes, our family eyes, family's eyes, and the people around us focused on our heavenly father always. We all battle our own battles. Somebody right now is battling bad memories, maybe even terrible memories. Some of you have been treated more than terribly by men in general. Some of you could be distracted by a great father. And yeah, that's a problem. We're not the center of attention. But no matter what you've walked into this building with today, the task before all of us fragile human beings is to praise God, our perfect father, and our heavenly father, who loves us perfectly like no other father on earth ever could. Okay, secondly, before I get ready to dive into the Psalms, generally in the week before you teach, and since this is my second sermon, I can now say generally. Um, <laughs> I was hoping I'd get a laugh. Third time I'll be in November, pray for my wife. She's more nervous than I am on this day. So um, you prepare, you finalize your sermon, you make a couple last notes, and you know, you, you, I try to be ready ahead of time, but you spend a great time reviewing your notes. And so I, I did the same. I was on some flights this week. So naturally, of course, I did the same in Las Vegas, Nevada. The perfect place, right? Yeah, you heard me correctly. I had a business meeting. It wasn't all fun or work, but it, it's still what they call Las Wages, Nevada. We call Las Vegas Sin City. If you have never heard that term, that's what a lot of people call it. But if you think about it, it's just more than most cities on display when it comes to sin. It's right in your face there. 
I won't get any specifics here, but let's just say in a city like that, you have to guard yourself more continually and more thoughtfully than you do here. But let's not kid ourselves. Sin is everywhere. And Satan sometimes makes sin look like a lot of fun or just funny. Today, we're going to look at how God makes our path safe, and if you will, gives us his path. So with that, I'd like to get to Psalm 16, and Cheryl Millsap is going to help me out here a little bit. Cheryl's going to read Psalm 16 for us, 11 verses. And again, if you've not met Cheryl, it's because she, like Matt, is another of those selfless leaders behind the scenes every week. We all get those invites from Cheryl to show up or not. By the way, if you get invited on it, please respond right away. It helps us a lot. So, Anyway, if you would turn with your Bibles or your electronic devices to Psalm 16, and Cheryl's going to read for us. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life, in your presence there is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Thank you, Cheryl. This psalm is written by David, and I'd, I'd like to say a couple words about King David. He was, a, he was a great man. He was also a man. In other words, he sinned. His life, both good and bad, are very much chronicled in the Bible. Let's think about that for a minute. What if your life were written down in the Bible for the next few thousands of years for millions and billions of people to read? My first thought, to be honest, was yikes. <laughs> Because it seems to me like David was amazingly honest. I mean, he said whatever he was thinking at all times. Secondly, why don't we think this way every day? That our lives are before God. Our days are being recorded. And more to the point, they're being recorded inside and out in front of the creator of the universe. I should, you should. Our spouse and our kids would love if we did this, wouldn't they? I'm, I'm thankful for his blunt honesty. I'm very thankful that David was inspired to write what he did. And lastly, I'm so thankful that we have the Bible. And in this time and place, we have it so readily and available. Amen? Speaking of that, if you would, I'll grab your Bibles or your tablets or your phones and just hold them for a minute. Now, in your hand, you have the Word of God. I want everybody to really think about what you have in your hands. The actual word of the creator of the universe, the true and holy words of the giver of life, my life, your life, and every bit of life on this planet, past, present, and forever. 
That's what you hold in your hands. Why don't I thirst for this like water on a hot summer Texas day? Not too bad today. Why do I casually study this and sometimes state I'm too busy to do so? Some of us are currently binge reading through the Bible. Is that because you have to? Is that because it's part of your schedule? Or is it because it's better than the best novel you've ever read? That ought to be the answer for all of us. So now, keep holding God's word, and if you would, stand. I'd like us with the Bible or whatever mobile device we have, on screen is going to be the Apostles' Creed, and I'd like to read that aloud together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He said it into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, you can sit down. <laughs> Think about what you just stated. Isn't that the greatest gift we'll ever receive? Of course, this points us towards Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's truly the best gift we'll ever receive. Having God's Word right in our hand, what a blessing. And yet, too often, we take it for granted, or we throw it wherever we throw it. We've all done it. A few weeks back, Justin said, sometimes we sissify our prayers, and I, I just want to use the word sissify, actually, but um, <laughs> I was going to use hoist, but I couldn't figure out a good way to use it, so. Anyway, I'd, I'd like to submit, many times we sissify our faith, and, and we sissify reading God's Word. I was given the following quote in my research for today. It is not coincidental that the lack of discernment and a neglected Bible are often, so often found together in company. The Bible is our great Ebenezer, a memorial stone to the faithfulness of God, carefully recorded and preserved for his children, and every copy, from the dog-eared to the disregarded, is whispering, remember. Remember the God who remembers you. That's what you have in your hands right now. Amen? All right, so let's get started looking at Psalm 16. Verse 1, keep me safe, O God, for I take refuge. I, verse 2, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. The Lord is my refuge. Oh, by the way, this is one of those moments when you're preparing. I was on one of my flights this week, and I thought I'd sneak ahead and look at Sunday's daily bread. I, I read this religiously, no pun intended, I guess. But I was curious. I thought, I wonder what it says on June the 17th. It's Father's Day. So the verse it quotes is Psalm 91 too. I say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I'm sure just a coincidence. Anyway, the Lord is my refuge. When we pray, 
And oh, by the way, if you've never prayed a psalm, do it. Awesome. Pray a psalm. Pray it with your family. Pray it alone. It's great. Aren't we asking this of the Almighty? Shouldn't we be? This would be a yes. Are we not sinners? Is not Satan roaming the earth and earnestly at work? Again, yes. Do we not need God's protection daily? Absolutely. Our salvation is set. Justification is in an instant paid with Christ's blood. So that's not what I'm talking about. But sanctification is a battle. And we must ask for help. Of course, we'd all like to be safe. But is that realistic? And is, what, is that what David's really asking? In doing the work for this teaching, I'd submit to you that he's asking for eternal safety. But wait, aren't we already saved? Of course, once saved, always saved. Still not what David's asking for. What is it that keeps Christians safe? Well, let's start with prayer. Let's also add in time and inclination to study, learn, apply, and teach God's word. Being with our church family and the influence it should have us on personally. Staying in tune and wanting this and needing this. Wanting to stay humble for service and not getting there in your own mind and being that all-knowing Christian. Staying a lifetime learner, if you will. We need to be active here. God doesn't need it, but we do. And he knows when he sees it. God is our refuge. And when I say we need to work at it, I don't mean to run and hide. I don't mean that kind of refuge. But like any refuge or house on earth, if you will, it needs to be worked on every day. And again, I stress here, God does not need this. But anything we humans are, we have to work at. It's called fruit. All right, verse 3. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The Lord delights in his saints. We were in a Bible study yesterday morning. I'll go off track here for a minute. We talked about delight, and I couldn't help it. But my, it's not on my script, sorry, honey. But my wife is delightful, if you've met Nancy. She just, it's, she's delightful through and through. That's delight. And she's just a human being. The Lord, the creative earth, delights in us. So let's talk about saints. The Lord delights in the saints. In this psalm, the saints talked about really referred to Israel. However, even here, not all the saints embraced God. The Israelites were God's chosen people. He chose them because he chose them. However, to this day, many of them have not embraced this privilege. If you want to think for a moment when God says, I want, I want you to think for a moment when God says, in whom is my delight? All of my delight. I don't think we can add to that. The creator of heaven and earth delights in me. Just soak that in. Does that mean we should rest because we got this? In this day and age, people like to say, Jesus loves me as I am. Now, what really Jesus says is, I'll take you as you are. And then he says, follow me. Now, does follow me just walk behind me a couple steps, don't get lost, try to stay on the trail with me? Does follow me just mean, do what you are, I'll ignore what you are, you're fine? Or does follow me mean, look at who I'm looking at? We, 
as Christians, should always point everybody to Christ, not us and then Christ. It's always Christ. Christ did it. He looked at my father. It's his father. And make your ways follow Christ. Clearly, that's the answer. Now, we all sin that follow the Lord, and we're far from perfect. But all of the delight of our Holy Father is in the saints that follow him. As even my friend Bob Babiak would allow at this point, that's awesome. All right, verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Okay, this is not the so fun, this is the not so fun verse. The Debbie Downer verse, my wife hates this, but the negative Nancy verse, I, I got to throw that in there. She's in the back, she can't hit me. So let's talk about this verse for a minute. Do we see sorrows in our life every day? Absolutely. Some of us have suffered because of the sins of our fathers and our mothers. We see it in the Bible. We see it in history, and on the surface it seems brutal and unfair. We see what we call the innocent suffer every day of our lives. But for a minute here, let's talk about us right here in Stone Oak. It's not good enough to look at others. It's not good enough to look at the world. It's, it's not even good enough to look at other Christians. I have to look at myself, and you have to look at you. Some of you may have heard this story. A few years back, a friend of mine, who happened to be the elder at the church I was attending in Canada, he and I were having lunch with another friend. This friend, his name is Johan, and for, who's, for several reasons, in his South African accent, I'll never forget, because he nailed us both good. We were having a conversation, and uh, I'm not trying to be self-important and pious, but as I look back, I think he, we were. And he, he nailed us right in the proverbial forehead. We were debating somewhat smugly about making right Christian choices. And then we turned somewhat humbly to how the devil can trick we Christians. I asked my friend about movies. We both love movies. I still do. I said, let's be honest. Some of the movies we see and want to see, they're not all G-rated. What about us going to stronger rated movies that at times can have stuff in them that we, that we shouldn't approve of? And at that point, my friend Harold said, that could be a real moral dilemma. Of course, I nodded. It is here that our younger doctor friend from South Africa got out his hammer and just nailed us. And in his South African accent, which I will never forget, looked us both right in the eye and said, you know, gentlemen, it's not a moral dilemma. You know it's right. It's a practical dilemma. Boom. <laughs> and ouch. I'll never forget, Johan. Thanks a lot. So what practical dilemmas do we face? Now, I'm not saying you can only go to G movies, but what am I doing that I could easily live without? What moral dilemmas do I face? And do we turn these, from these dilemmas and do we run? Or do we hang around because we're not doing them? We're not approving them, so what's it hurt? Our entertainment? Our Facebook and comments, I went there. Our friends, our so-called friends, our words, our hobbies, our time, our money. I said this before, and I've heard this before. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it's just easier. 
these dilemmas were called other gods. Today, they're not labeled quite so cleanly. And many times, at least for me, it's easier to look at the other guy than look in the mirror. Okay, that was fun, wasn't it? Great news, not the end of the message. And I say this sincerely, thank God. Verse 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. We have a beautiful and God-led inheritance. Follow the Lord. Why do we make this so difficult? Why do we fight against this? What is it in our sin nature that makes us not want to do this immediately? The Almighty is my portion. Now, if that's lunch later today, I don't think you're going to walk away hungry. Not only is he your portion, he also holds your cup. And he holds my lot. Again, if this is lunch later, I don't think you walk away thirsty. And then better yet, you're not paying the bill forever. Pretty cool. I'm going with him. Now, in reviewing this passage, just to kind of clear up what, what the portion of the cup is, the portion is what God gives us. The cup is what we take. You ever heard the quote, my cup runneth over? Well, let's ponder that for a minute. If God, is, is God's portion always bigger than our cup? Absolutely. Well, if your cup never runneth over, it ain't because God doesn't have enough portion now, is it? I'm not saying the cup should always run over, of course. But I ought to run over once in a while because it's God, not me. Now, one last note here. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm talking about doing God's work, not just what I want. Okay, the psalm states in verse 6, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. <laughs> I read this. I go, that's a bit of an understatement. The creator of heaven and earth has this. I'm in a good spot. Let me read verse 5 again. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The Lord holds my lot. Lamentation 3.24 states, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. Our portion, our inheritance is in the Lord. We must ask ourselves in this day and age, what else do we really need? Is what I'm seeking really any kind of a need? About a month ago, Nancy and I were, were able to travel overseas, and, and part of that was in Israel. And if I could go on a side note here, if you, down the road, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, go, do it. Don't hesitate. Take a tour, don't take a tour, just go. We didn't get to go to where in our mid-50s, but it was... It was amazing. Anyway, I, I don't want to say it brings the Bible more to life because the Bible doesn't need that, but visiting the land of Israel was eye-opening. I, I say all this so I can, I can say this. It was eye-opening. We were in several countries, and while we had a great time in, in so many wonderful his, historical areas, we witnessed how fortunate, and I, and I want to say blessed, but that's not the right word here. But I'm going to use blessed in America because we have so free access to this, so free. We take things for granted. Now, I, I guess I would probably want to say it even stronger than that. We expect things or we're not happy, and I am the world's worst, to be honest. My family's back there nodding. I'm sure I'm not looking. <laughs> I want to take it a step further. 
We, were, we went to this place called En Gedi. I've read En Gedi a few times and never really paid attention. It's in 1 Samuel 24, I'll save you the page turning. It's where David hid in the caves, sliced off a small piece of Saul's robe. Like most of you have read that about the wilderness in Israel or in the lands of the Bible. <laughs> but the, the, the wilderness in the Middle East is not a forest. It is desolation like you've never seen. Dryness and desert we just generally don't see here. Nancy and I were traveling off to look at ancient buildings, and we say something like, wow, two to 3,000 years ago, how'd they build that? But they had what they considered cutting-edge technology. We have an iPad. I'm sure 1,000 years ago, an iPad. You had to look at an iPad. But they had the newest and coolest things. But when you read David's words in 1 Samuel, and you realize where he was, and I was there, it is desolation in every sense of the word and very much wilderness. He needed God. And he knew God had his lot. We were complaining, at least I was, that we had an air-conditioned car to go back to. Had an air-conditioned hotel to go visit that night. Had great shoes. We had sunscreen. I think we had sunscreen. And oh, by the way, at the concession stand, which we knew was just back down the hill, we knew there was going to be ice-cold refrigerated beverages. And it was still hot and a bit miserable. And in that moment, while not sinning, it was hard to remember that God had my portion. David didn't forget, and he didn't have any of what I had. But he remembered in verse 6, I have a beautiful inheritance. Okay, we're going to move to verse 7 and 8 now. 7 and 8 read, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also instructs, also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. God, my Father, is always with me. Just a few weeks back in this very pulpit, you heard reference that God is sovereign. I'm here to tell you it's still true. It hadn't changed. It'll always be true. And way too many times, we have a big God when it comes to out there. But when it comes to matters close to home, our kids, our health, our job, our tithing, our time, making time to disciple others, we, we too often can be heard either out loud or in our heads, well, I'm not sure God can handle this one. Too often, our mind, that's our mindset. Do we pray first? Do we ask first, what does God want? Or do we act first and then pray for what we want? Too often, that's my case. In other words, at some point, in some version, we say, God, hold my water bottle. I got this. Psalm 42a tells us, like so many other verses in the Bible, God has it. By, the day, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Psalm 119.30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. Again, I want to reference a couple weeks back. We heard that God is at work. We also heard that we should work hard. We do have to choose the way of faithfulness. We have to make that choice. We do have to set the rules of God before us. 
And right now in this world, people hate rules. Oh, that's legalistic. Oh, that's, uh, who am I? I have to follow these set rules. Well, we do. God didn't make suggestions. He called them commandments. They're called the law. Rules, if you will. The law still applies. Christ's blood just covers it. The law still applies. If God is sovereign, and he most certainly is, nothing surprises God. His rules apply yesterday, today, and forever. We just have to choose to put them in front of us. That has to be a conscious day choice every single day of our lives, or not. Okay, we're going to finish up here, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Okay, just a note here. My references talk about the whole being having a special nose given to the tongue. So I just kind of want to put that in there tongue can be a struggle for many of us, starting with me. We dwell secure. God has, has the path of life and that we all dwell secure. This is forever. It's everlasting. It doesn't need a warranty. God is the warranty. God is the great I am. And again, I want you to think about that for a minute. In life, we pay great money for security in this day and age. We love to know what we're buying is the best, and it'll last. We want our houses safe. Nothing wrong there. We want our loved ones safe. Nothing wrong there. We spend countless hours online double-checking these kinds of things. Do I get insurance? Is that too much? Is that too little? Knowing God is infinite and everlasting is our single greatest comfort in life. God is infinite and everlasting. It should affect everything we are, everything we do, and everything we put stock in. Verse 10 states, the Lord will not abandon us, and clearly states, we will not be apart. I looked the word up, corrupt, or or corrupted from. We won't be apart from the Lord. That doesn't mean we won't sin. It means the Lord does not let go. Verse 11 Let's us know in the Bible, in David's age it was God's word. Today we have the Bible, of course, the path of life. Psalm 25:12 states, Who is the man who, who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. We're given the path of life. The Bible points us towards Christ. So in closing, I'd like to challenge you with a couple of thoughts. With the path of life in your very hands and easily accessible to me and my loved ones. Lord, help me to pour joyfully through this daily. Simply put, Lord, help me pour through your word. Secondly, knowing the Lord is infinite and everlasting, ask God to help us focus more on the Lord than on my troubles of the day. Stated simply, Lord, help me focus, to focus on you in all things. Thirdly, and going forward with the knowledge that I have as a Christian man or a woman, challenge yourself. 
When am I going to start sharing the good news with non-Christians? And discipling other Christians at the level that I may have and the ability to disciple. Start today. Do lunch. Start small. Most of us did. By the way, when you're discipling somebody, it ain't you. Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit's there. Just start. In brief, Lord, help me to disciple now. It's you. It's not me. And lastly, what habits, prayers, Bible readings, accountability partners, or routines do I have in place continually to remind myself of God's glory and the joy that I can have of the Lord forever and ever? In other words, Lord, help me to talk with you and listen to you in prayer fruitfully every day. I'll close with this reminder. The Bible, every copy, from the dog-eared to the disregarded, is whispering, remember. Remember the God who remembers you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, Thank you that we have the perfect, everlasting, all-knowing, infinite, perfect Father. Help we fathers to point to you and help everybody else to also point to you. Lord, thank you that you are our refuge. Help us to work hard, not because you need it, but because it's good for us. It's, it's our discipleship to others. And Lord, help us all, starting with me, to hold on and love the path of life, your word that points us to Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that indwells us. Lord, help us to embrace the gifts that you give us. And as we go on about this week in our business, Help us to remember when we work hard and study, it is you. It is always you. Thank you that we could come to your house today. In Jesus' name I pray. 